Chapter 2 of The Crocodile by Fyodor Dostoevsky, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. 2. The venerable Timofey Semyonitch met me rather nervously, as though somewhat embarrassed. He led me to his tiny study and shut the door carefully. That the children may not hinder us, he added with evident uneasiness. There he made me sit down on a chair by the writing-table, sat down himself in an easy-chair, wrapped round him the skirts of his old wadded dressing-gown, and assumed an official and even severe air, in readiness for anything, though he was not my chief, nor Ivan Matveitch's, and had hitherto been reckoned as a colleague, and even a friend. First of all, he said, take note that I am not a person in authority, but just such a subordinate official as you and Ivan Matveitch. I have nothing to do with it, and do not intend to mix myself up in the affair. I was surprised to find that he apparently knew all about it already. In spite of that, I told him the whole story over in detail. I spoke with positive excitement, for I was at that moment fulfilling the obligations of a true friend. He listened, without special surprise, but with evident signs of suspicion. Only fancy, he said, I always believed that this would be sure to happen to him. Why, Timofey Semyonitch? It is a very unusual incident in itself, I admit it, but Ivan Matveitch's whole career in the service was leading up to this end. He was flighty, conceited, indeed. It was always progress and ideas of all sorts, and this is what progress brings people to. But this is a most unusual incident and cannot possibly serve as a general rule for all progressives. Yes, indeed it can. You see, it's the effect of overeducation, I assure you. For overeducation leads people to poke their noses into all sorts of places, especially where they're not invited. Though perhaps you know best, he added as though offended. I am an old man, and not of much education. I began as a soldier's son, and this year has been the jubilee of my service. Oh, no, Timofey Semyonitch, not at all. On the contrary, Ivan Matveitch is eager for your advice. He is eager for your guidance. He implores it, so to say, with tears. So to say with tears? Hmph! <laughs> Those are crocodile's tears, and one cannot quite believe in them. Tell me what possessed him to want to go abroad, and how could he afford to go? Why, he has no private means. He had saved the money from his last bonus, I answered, plaintively. He only wanted to go for three months to Switzerland, to the land of William Tell. William Tell. Hmm. He wants to meet the spring at Naples to see the museums, the customs, the animals. Hmm, the animals. I think it was simply from pride. What animals? Animals indeed. Haven't we animals enough? We have museums, menageries, camels. There are bears quite close to Petersburg. And here he's got inside a crocodile himself. Oh, come, Timofey Semyonitch. The man is in trouble. The man appeals to you as to a friend, as to an older relation, craves for advice, and you reproach him. Have pity at least on the unfortunate Elena Ivanovna. 
You are speaking of his wife? A charming little lady, said Timofey Semyonitch, visibly softening and taking a pinch of snuff with relish. Particularly prepossessing, and so plump, and always putting her pretty little head on one side. Very agreeable. Andrei Osipitch was speaking of her only the other day. Speaking of her? Yes, and in very flattering terms. Such a bust, he said. Such eyes, such hair. A sugar plum, he said. Not a lady. And then he laughed. He's still a young man, of course. Timofey Semyonitch blew his nose with a loud noise. And yet, young though he is, what a career he's making for himself. That's quite a different thing, Timofey Semyonitch. Of course, of course. Well, what do you say then, Timofey Semyonitch? Why, what can I do? Give advice, guidance, as a man of experience, a relative. What are we to do? What steps are we to take? Go to the authorities and... To the authorities? Certainly not. Timofey Semyonitch replied hurriedly. If you ask my advice, you had better, above all, hush the matter up and act, so to speak, as a private person. It is a suspicious incident, quite unheard of. Unheard of, above all, there is no precedent for it, and it is far from creditable. And so, discretion above all, let him lie there a bit. We must wait and see. But how can we wait and see, Timofey Semyonitch? What if he is stifled there? Why should he be? I think you told me that he made himself fairly comfortable there. I told him the whole story over again. Timofey Semyonitch pondered. Hmm, he said, twisting his snuff-box in his hands. To my mind, it's really a good thing he should lie there a bit, instead of going abroad. Let him reflect at his leisure. Of course he mustn't be stifled, and so he must take measures to preserve his health avoiding a cough, for instance, and so on. As for the German, it is my personal opinion. He is within his rights, and even more so than the other side, because it was the other party who got into his crocodile, without asking permission. Not he who got into Ivan Matveyevich's crocodile, without asking permission, though, so far as I can recollect, the latter has no crocodile. And a crocodile is private property, and so it is impossible to slit him open without compensation. For the saving of human life, Timofey Semyonitch. Oh, well, that's a matter for the police. You must go to them. But Ivan Matveyevich may be needed in the department. He may be asked for. Ivan Matveyevich needed? Ha! Besides, he's on leave so that we may ignore him. Let him inspect the countries of Europe. It will be a different matter if he doesn't turn up when his leave is over. Then we shall ask for him and make inquiries. Three months. Timofey Semyonitch, for pity's sake. It is his own fault. Nobody thrust him there. At this rate, we should have to get a nurse to look after him at government expense, and that is not allowed for in the regulations. But the chief point is that the crocodile is private property, 
so that the principles of economics apply in this question. And the principles of economics are paramount. Only the other evening, at Luka Andreevich's, Ignaty Prokovich was saying so. Do you know Ignaty Prokovich? A capitalist in a big way of business. And he speaks so fluently. We need industrial development, he said. There is very little development among us. We must create it. We must create capital. So we must create a middle class, the so-called bourgeoisie. And as we haven't capital, we must attract it from abroad. We must, in the first place, give facilities to foreign companies to buy up lands in Russia, as is done now abroad. Is poison, is ruin. And, you know, he spoke with such heat. Well, that's all right for him, a wealthy man and not in the service. With the communal system, he said, there will be no improvement in industrial development or agriculture. Foreign companies, he said, must as far as possible buy up the whole of our land in big lots and then split it up, split it up, split it up in the smallest parts possible. And you know, he pronounced the word split it up with such determination, and then sell it as private property, or rather not sell it, but simply let it, when, he said, all the land is in the hands of foreign companies, they can fix any rent they like. And so the peasant will work three times as much for his daily bread, and can be turned out at pleasure, so that he will feel it, will be submissive and industrious and will work three times as much for the same wages. But as it is, with a commune, what does he care? He knows he won't die of hunger, so he's lazy and drunken. And meanwhile, money will be attracted into Russia, capital will be created, and the bourgeoisie will spring up. The English political and literary paper, The Times, in an article the other day on our finances, stated that the reason our financial position was so unsatisfactory was that we had no middle class. No big fortunes, no accommodating proletariat. Ignaty Prokovich speaks well. He is an orator. He wants to lay a report on the subject before the authorities, and then to get it published in the news. That's something very different from verses like Ivan Matveyevich's. But how about Ivan Matveyevich, I put in, after letting the old man babble on. Timofey Semyonich was sometimes fond of talking and showing that he was not behind the times, but knew all about things. How about Ivan Matveyevich? Why, I'm coming to that. Here we are, anxious to bring foreign capital into the country. And only consider, as soon as the capital of a foreigner who has been attracted to Petersburg has been doubled through Ivan Matveyevich instead of protecting his foreign capitalist, we are proposing to rip open the belly of his original capital. The crocodile. Is it consistent? To my mind, Ivan Matveyevich, as the true son of his fatherland, ought to rejoice and to be proud that through him the value of a foreign crocodile has been doubled, and possibly even trebled. That's just what is wanted to attract capital. If one man succeeds, mind you, another will come with a crocodile, and a third will bring two or three of them at once and capital will grow up about them. There you have a bourgeoisie. It must be encouraged. Upon my word, Timofey Samyonich, I cried, you are demanding almost 
supernatural self-sacrifice from poor Ivan Matveitch. If I demand nothing, and I beg you before everything, as I have said already, to remember that I am not a person in authority and so cannot demand anything of anyone, I am speaking as a son of the fatherland. That is, not as the son of the fatherland, but as a son of the fatherland. Again, what possessed him to get into the crocodile? A respectable man, a man of good grade in the service, lawfully married, and then to behave like that. Is it consistent? But it was an accident. Who knows? And where is the money to compensate the owner to come from? Perhaps out of his salary, Timofey Semyonitch. Would that be enough? No, it wouldn't, Timofey Semyonitch, I answered sadly. The proprietor was at first alarmed that the crocodile would burst, but as soon as he was sure that it was all right, he began to bluster and was delighted to think that he could double the charge for entry. Treble, quadruple, perhaps. The public will simply stampede the place now. And crocodile owners are smart people. Besides, it's not Lent yet, and people are keen on diversions, and so I say again, the great thing is that Ivan Matveitch should preserve his incognito. Don't let him be in a hurry. Let everybody know, perhaps, that he is in the crocodile, but don't let them be officially informed of it. Ivan Matveitch is in particularly favorable circumstances for that, for he is reckoned to be abroad. It will be said that he is in the crocodile, and we will refuse to believe it. That is how it can be managed. The great thing is that he should wait. And why should he be in a hurry? Well, but if... Don't worry. He has a good constitution. Well, and afterwards, when he is waited? Well, I won't conceal from you that the case is exceptional in the highest degree. One doesn't know what to think of it. And the worst of it is, there is no precedent... If we had a precedent, we might have something to go by, but as it is, what is one to say? It will certainly take time to settle it. A happy thought flashed upon my mind. Cannot we arrange, I said, that if he is destined to remain in the entrails of the monster, and it is the will of providence that he should remain alive, that he should send in a petition to be reckoned as still serving? Hmm, possibly is on leave and without salary. But couldn't it be with salary? On what grounds? As sent on a special commission. What commission? Where? Why, into the entrails. The entrails of the crocodile, so to speak, for exploration, for investigation of the facts on the spot. It would, of course, be a novelty, but that is progressive, and would, at the same time, show zeal for enlightenment. Timofey Semyonitch thought a little. To send a special official, he said at last, to the inside of a crocodile to conduct a special inquiry is, in my personal opinion, an absurdity. It is not in the regulations. And what sort of special inquiry could there be there? The scientific study of nature on the spot in the living subject the natural sciences are all the fashion nowadays. Botany? He could live there and report his observations, for instance, concerning digestion or simply habits, for the sake of accumulating facts. 
You mean as statistics? Well, I am no great authority on that subject, indeed. I am no philosopher at all. You say facts. We are overwhelmed with facts, as it is, and don't know what to do with them. Besides, statistics are a danger. In what way? They are a danger. Moreover, you will admit he will report facts, so to speak, lying like a log. And can one do one's official duties lying like a log? There would be another novelty, and a dangerous one, and again, there is no precedent for it. If we had any sort of precedent for it, then to my thinking, he might have been given the job. But no live crocodiles have been brought over hitherto, Timofey Semyonitch? Hmm. Yes, he reflected again. Your objection is a just one, if you like, and might indeed serve as a ground for carrying the matter further, but consider again that if, with the arrival of living crocodiles, government clerks begin to disappear, and then on the ground that they are warm and comfortable there, expect to receive the official sanction for their position, and then take their ease there, you must admit it would be a bad example. We should have everyone trying to go the same way to get a salary for nothing. Do your best for him, Timofey Semyonitch. By the way, Ivan Matveyevich asked me to give you seven roubles he'd lost to you at cards. Ah, he lost that the other day, at Nikifor Nikiforich's. I remember, and how gay and amusing he was. And now. The old man was genuinely touched. Intercede for him, Timofey Semyonitch. I will do my best. I will speak my own name, as a private person, as though I were asking for information. And meanwhile, you find out, indirectly, unofficially, how much would the proprietor consent to take for his crocodile. Timofey Semyonitch was visibly more friendly. Certainly, I answered, and I will come back to you at once to report. And his wife, is she alone now? Is she depressed? You should call on her, Timofey Semyonitch. I will. I thought of doing so before. It's a good opportunity. And what on earth possessed him to go and look at the crocodile, though, indeed, I should like to see it myself. Go and see the poor fellow, Timofey Semyonitch. I will. Of course, I don't want to raise his hopes by doing so. I shall go as a private person. Well, goodbye. I'm going to Nikifor Nikiforich's again. Shall you be there? No, I am going to see the poor prisoner. Yes, now he is a prisoner. Ah, that's what comes of thoughtlessness. I said goodbye to the old man. Ideas of all kinds were straying through my mind. A good-natured and most honest man, Timofey Semyonitch. Yet, as I left him, I felt pleased at the thought that he had celebrated his fiftieth year of service, and the Timofey Semyonitches are now a rarity among us. I flew at once, of course, to the arcade, to tell poor Ivan Matveyevich all the news, and indeed I was moved by curiosity to know how he was getting on in the crocodile, and how it was possible to live in a crocodile. And indeed, was it possible to live in a crocodile at all? At times it really seemed to me as though it were all an outlandish, monstrous dream, especially 
as an outlandish monster was the chief figure in it. End of chapter 2